Yeah, here. We're fine. Brooks and Dunn singing oh. on key. <laughs> okay, that's just for all reference. That was at a Mitt Romney rally with oh, Brooks and Dunn. Oh, God damn it. The loaf supported the Mitt? <laughs> well, you can't, you can't take a meatloaf out without an oven. <laughs> Also, uh, guys, I don't know. They're natural allies. <laughs> Meatloaf is a, was a uh, practicing Jehovah's Witness. Was he? Cool. Is, is that what? Yeah, but no. Is Mitt, that what Mitt Romney? No, is? Mitt Romney is a Mormon. Mormon. Oh, okay. Same difference. Whatever. I would, be, I would be surprised. I thought Meatloaf like rebelled and ran from his like religious upbringing. As oh, a kid I just and... I made that up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, fa- no. <laughs> oh, no fact checking whatsoever. No, I made that up. Um, so let's yeah. kick off with that. Was our our comical tribute to the king of operatic rock and roll meatloaf, meatloaf. um r.i.p um <laughs> the jokes are endless <laughs> when you call i mean i don't think i assume he didn't start calling himself meatloaf yeah do we know do we have an origin story why he I called know, himself meatloaf yeah, i know why meatloaf. i've seen the vh1 made for tv movie i, have, I saw it too but uh you know it was between it was it was right after I watched the Michael Jackson uh, or the Jackson five, five part one. What was it, Luke? Can you give us an origin story for the loaf? Yeah, when when he was a kid, he was just a, a big huge dude. kid. So yeah. he would like you know get in people's way, and they'd be like, "Get out of the way, meatloaf! Yeah. <laughs> you loaf! You go, meathead! Meat oh my loaf. god! Born! Yep. That's so sad. Did you know that Meatloaf has a album on Motown Records before he was famous with Bad Out of Hell? Was mm. he? Was it released under the name Meatloaf? No. No, it was like a collective with like other musical theater people. Oh, okay. And he was like the featured lead vocalist. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it is sad. I mean, like, we laugh. We laugh. What's his real first name? I know his last Robert. name is... Robert. <laughs> his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Um... Michael, maybe? A day was his last name. Michael A Day. I don't know if it's Michael. Michael Lee oh, A Day. Look at that. Nice. Um so on a on a more serious note, um, we decide as our tribute to Meatloaf to all listen to his seminal uh debut debut album, Bad Out of Hell, from nineteen seventy seven. Yes. And um I don't know about you guys. I listened to it like straight up eight times in the last three days. Because, <laughs> I didn't do eight, but because I love it. It's like, and it brings back a lot of memories because growing up in a musical theater household, it's like the rock and roll that like my parents and grandparents even like kind of like gave their blessing to. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, here's the Venn diagram. One circle 
is like the music of Bruce Springsteen, that like throwback rock and roll type of sound from mid seventies. The other circle is Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And Meatloaf in is the intersection. <laughs> because that's like what this music is. It's like very yeah. over the top. It's like usually seven, eight minute long, like kind of wall of sound, early, late fifties, early sixties type of rock and roll music. Yeah. Um with very like super melodramatic lyrics and piano playing and like thunderclaps and gongs and shit like that um <laughs> but yeah i i love that album bad of hell it's like it's like a still a top 10 highest selling album of all time i think it's pretty i mean it's intensely like everybody you like you said it's got a big venn diagram of like people that enjoy it because mm. it's got like the rock and roll element it's got like the theater dork element it's got um just it's got like the prog element as well yeah, yeah. it's super weirdly proggy mm-hmm. um and it's got like like a who vibe as well because it's got yeah. like really it's, it's like tommy e right but like not um also uh production by todd rundgren making it super weird and you know the guitar on it is yep. is great he does that um the uh the bike revving up the gears and crashing on the road yeah. in the first song mm-hmm. um saxophone by i'm gonna guess uh i don't know edgar winter oh edgar, is it edgar winter i'm like i like four of the seven tracks every saxophone you hear on that thing is edgar winter really no way the uh, dr- yeah, i didn't know drums that. on half of the tracks and piano on almost the entire thing reason why it sounds so much like bruce springsteen's born to run Roy Bitten on piano and Max Weinberg on drums on at least uh, the big, big tracks. So like Paradise by Dashboard Light, uh, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, and Bad of Hell, I think, are all Max Weinberg drum songs. So like he used the bare bones band sound of Bruce Springsteen and like really got... Yeah. I mean, that's why you hear every time you hear those piano tinkerings, it sounds like, you know, Jungle Land and... All those big Bruce Springsteen mid seventy songs. Also, one of my favorite lyrics of all time is on this album. Uh, the Cracker Jack box lyric in can't, f- can't find a. <laughs> what's the car Miley says? Can't find a. Uh, is it Cadillac? Rolls Royce Cadillac? Something? Yeah, Cadillac may, might be it. I Looking for like, a Cadillac at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box. I just like yeah. really specific brand references, and that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of that Phil Spector type of thing where they were shouting out specific pop cultural Yeah, and like, things. you know, Chuck Berry, like Coca-Cola yeah, and yeah, yeah. like all that shit. Um, also, uh, we'd be, you know, uh, Jim Steinman, the lyricist for... Of course. The I Am. Oh, that it's wrote. a Coupe de Ville hiding. Oh, Coupe de Ville. There you go. Yeah, Jim Steinman, who was his um, Milos co-collaborator for Battle of Hell album, Battle of Hell 2. Um, but like very contentious relationship because it's two guys who were, it was like the songwriter and then the guy delivering the songs and there was a lot of budding heads over creative stuff. There's a lot of budding heads over business stuff. Um, cause like famously bad of hell, it says meatloaf bad of hell and at the bottom in very clear words, songs yeah. by Jim Steinman yeah. because he was like, yo man, don't forget who wrote all this music though. Um, and he was like meatloaf's. Um, live piano player and musical director and all that stuff. Yeah. Meatloaf, very strong personality, great voice, great, mm-hmm. probably one of the greatest, I'm going to say it, one record artist of all time. Because he's a one record artist, really. I mean, I would say. 
Like required listening, you mean? Yeah, like if you, there's no other. You meat, get the full experience. From there's that no other meatloaf record. That I'm like, you're missing out if you don't hear this one. Uh, I don't know, man. I'll say, the first record yeah, was I mean, not a regular spin in my house. So, I mean, CDs, but it was not a regular listen in my house. Bad Out of Hell two, that was the album that was constantly in the six CD changer. Really, in my house, yeah. My my dad loved that record. Yeah, yeah, two was. I mean, but I was. And like, that's from like ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. Yeah. Um, so I mean, in terms of you know my lifetime, and that was it makes sense because yeah. you know that one also had a, a giant single on it, as which well, was uh, I would do oh, anything yeah. for love. But I won't do that. Well, was that, was that the, the orchestra. one? Was that the one where the music video was him in sort of like a weird, like Castle. like gremlin makeup yeah. or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> it was Beauty and the Beast, right? Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It scared the shit out of me when but I was younger was... too. I was like, well, how can such a horrifying mm. creature have such a beautiful voice? <laughs> and that was like, um, that album was Jim Steinman and Meatloaf coming back together after like being very torn apart for almost a decade. Um, yeah, Meatloaf was like, there are some other songs. He was the original, maybe not intended vocalist because Jim Steinman claims, but it could be like a pissing contest thing, claims that he never saw Meatloaf singing the songs. But um, Total Clips of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler is oh. a Jim Steinman written song, and that was, oh. so Meatloaf like wanted it. Yeah. Um, there's an air, play, air Supply song that, that was huge, probably in the movie <laughs> The Wedding Singer. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it is, but it's like one of those. It's a very musical theatery type of thing. Um, what the fuck is it? Hold on, let me read off some. The Celine Dion big hit. Um, All out of love. No, making love. Out yes, of- making love out of nothing at all. Um, if it's a Jim Steinman song, it has to be like a full sentence of <laughs> of a title. Um, what's the big? Uh, uh, it's all Still- coming back oh, yeah. to me. Meatloaf ended up recording that on Battle of Hell 3 in, like, 2005, 6. But um, that was one that Meatloaf, like, really wanted to sing. Yeah. So, yeah. big. I never realized Jim Steinman wrote that song. Yeah, man. He wrote a handful of other songs. If if it's, like, a melodramatic. Oh, bo- the Bonnie Tyler one is oh, so yeah, obvious. Can, yeah, right. There's, um, I think uh, Meatloaf did, uh, like, sing that song with her in concert, though. Sure before so yeah if it, if it was a song that like referenced undying love and vampire type of kisses and you know <laughs> shit like that like yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim Steinman. um but yeah that this battle of hell man it's like i think it's only seven songs 45 minutes yeah um the title track is awesome uh i my favorite track i think the best track on the thing is paradise by the dashboard light because that's like a three minute very old school like doo-wop-y type of thing and that goes to the disco beat with the play-by-play like um baseball announcer it's and like then you have the duet mm. with ellen foley at the end yeah. do you love me with like you know all the honky-tonk piano and stuff it's it's awesome track yeah it's it's one of the craziest it's it's such a crazy song because it's like i don't know it's teenage doing it but like yeah, in, yeah. in a giant like you know mashup of like mm. Abbey Road style sweet mm-hmm. songs about mm-hmm. like doing it in the backseat of a car it's like such like you're like what's the point of the song and you can kind of say it in like one sentence 
but they drag it out over this thing and like spew out like every detail of what could ever possibly happen in those moments and it's just like you know that's the epicness of of, well and it's of meatloaf and i think it's more true to the reality of those experiences yeah it's like Like, think of how you thought and felt about things when you were 17 years old yeah it's so funny like Like, the baseball announcer and like sliding home and like they're talking in the under and yeah oh it's so good um so yeah wicked album really good and I, I mean, I agree. He has other good, good stuff, but it's like he is a guy that if you have this one album, you get the full entirety of like what he did yeah. at his peak, um, and just a very, like maybe the world's most unconventional sex symbol. Yeah, mm. like a giant, sweaty, long-haired, pale guy loaf of meat yeah i mean <laughs> let's be real man you guys are making me want to watch that uh vh1 movie though <laughs> yeah. that i forgot all about until mike said it um where meatloaf's dad's like yeah i've been keeping newspaper clippings the whole time son i really love you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't remember i mean i don't remember the movie per se but i do remember watching it and being like Oh man, poor meatloaf. Yeah, yeah meat, meat and loaf. he was he was a before he's a, he's a sad loaf. Yeah, before he broke, he was like a big thing in the like Broadway, off Broadway, musical theater type of like right at the tail end of the hippie movement thing. He was like in the the original production of Hair. He was in Rocket Horror Picture Show in the mid seventies. So he was like a larger life figure for especially during that decade in the nineteen seventies. Rest in peace, meat. Rest, Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Also, great album cover. Excellent album cover. I forget the artist, but Richard that, Corbin. Yeah, and he did the he did the artwork for a couple more albums, and he yeah. was like the artwork of all that like gothic comic book style. And yeah, and he it's considered it's number seventy one on the list of the hundred best record covers of all time. Hmm. But it broke my brain because like I. I even like Bad Out of Hell, again, like Bad Out of Hell 2 was my first experience with Meatloaf. But and you're staring at the cover when you're a little kid and it scares the shit out of you and then they put on the music and you're like, well, this isn't scary. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I was like, I was like, this is not what I thought this would be at all. It's like Bad Out of Hell and there's like a demonic thing and like a weird looking... Like a gargoyle riding a motorcycle. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, this is going to be an intense record, you know? And then I listened to it and I was like, this is... This is not anything what yeah. I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of misleading, but yeah. a fantastic, you know, fantastic album in its own right. But yeah, um, so yeah, so R.I.P. Yeah, let's get know. let's get into those record reviews. Rest in meat. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in meat. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm stretching it now. R.I.P. Rest in pan. Rest in pan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's a that's the last direction when you make meatloaf, isn't it? <laughs> think, yeah, you have to let it, yeah, you have to let the meat rest. <laughs> Are you guys catch up on top of your meatloaf people? A hundred percent. Not on top, on the side, so I can periodically take a fork and and I like to dip the fork and then stab the fork when it's covered with ketchup into the. Oh. It'll I'm change your life, man. Technique. It'll change your life. Because then it kind of gets it inside when it punctures. Yeah. Mm. I forget. I think my grandmother used to make meatloaf with uh, croutons in it. That's. I'm not. I don't like that. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't like Fluff that. it up. What were you going to say, Luke? Uh, I like your method. I'm not really into the ketchup on top. I was just wondering. What yeah, not on were. top. Yeah. I, but when Luke, I was you're not kid. really a ketchup guy anyway. No. I, why? Yeah. 
if you most of the time if you made it right you wouldn't need the ketchup is what you're saying yeah that's like everything where where people are like eat shit with ketchup i'm like yeah it's because you don't like what Mm. you're eating so don't eat that you yeah can i just give a can i share a a gross meatloaf story (laughs) please not the man but the food food. (laughs) (laughs) i remember uh luke's uh, luke's mom and uh stepdad got a uh, deep fryer yeah and they made a meatloaf Covered it in bacon yeah, of and deep fried it. Oh, my mom was so sick. Because <laughs> she's just eating oil. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's the story. It was, there's like nothing they like it, they But deep, they got so sick. They bought yeah. a deep fry and they're like, we had to throw it away. We were so sick. We kept eating fried foods every day. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, cool. rest in peace, Meatloaf. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to it, take a chance. Uh, take a chance on meat. Take a chance on meat. <laughs> take a chance. Take a chance. Um, I, I listen. I listen to it with earbuds and like from my phone speakers and shit like that. It does not do justice because it's so top yeah. heavy. Like you don't even hear the bass. Um, so if you have a system or a speaker of some kind where you can dial the bass or a car system where you can kind of emphasize things, I highly recommend it. Luke, do you have the record? Do I have? I have record? two copies of it. Do you? Yeah, bro. Everyone has that record. I, yeah. I, two of my aunts or uncles or somebody had it and yeah, passed had, it down. If you had like a general listening to the music collection, it's usually in yeah. There. Like it's I I I I'm telling you, I think it's like still a top ten highest selling album of all time. It's it's up there. I definitely because mm. everybody from 1977 to 1985 had it. Yeah, it's like that record and like the first Boston album are always yeah. like yeah. Everywhere. Yep. But uh, what was your meatloaf? Wait, did we hear? Yeah. Yeah. The deep fried. The deep fried meatloaf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was it. So. Wrapped in bacon. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about some album recommendations. We each chose one. Uh, We chose new ones. So albums that have come out in the past two, three weeks. Albums that came out in mid-January, let's say. And... um, yeah, who wants to go first? <laughs> do you want to get mine out of the way? Let's lead, do Mike's first. Lead the lamb to slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can I can I say my thoughts before you? Mike sent me his suggestion, and I went, oh, yeah, cool. This is definitely a Mike album. And I, from the cover and from the name of the band and from the first two songs, and I thought, yeah, whatever. Like, maybe not something I would listen to a bunch of times, but this is okay. Dot, dot, dot. Proceed. Go ahead. Yeah, so I did the same thing. Yeah. We were, you know, to be fully candid, I was like, we were trying to think of what we're going to talk about today. I'm like, well, why don't we just pick albums that came out in the last couple weeks? So I'm perusing some of the new releases, and I saw this, and I saw the cover, and I was like, oh, this is cool. This could be like sort of like a, you know, Allman Brothers-y, Grateful Dead-y kind of vibe. Uh, It was not. Uh, (laughs) Um and uh yeah it's it's what's, um, what's the name of the oh right sorry band and record uh the name of the band is texas hill and the album is called heaven down here mm. um i did the same thing i listened to the first couple songs and i was like all right cool right on like i'll just make this my album pick if the rest of the album's like this then cool awesome so we shared our album picks with each other and everything and then i started listening to like the rest of it and uh i was pretty uh, I was pretty disappointed, <laughs> to say the least. Just because, like, it's... All right. I'll, I'll, I'll start off by saying, like, the positives of this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is a pop country record, right? 
And I think that there are certain aspects of it that if you are not a fan of, say, or like, I'll say this, if, if you're like a really big fan of country, like country music today, modern country music, I think that maybe it's a stretch, but I think that this record has the potential to introduce you to like certain sort of like country styles and stuff Mm -hmm. to kind of get you into you know because like you said earlier like there's kind of a chris stapleton-esque vibe Mm -hmm. there's certain vibes in there that are a little bit almond brothers ish there's a little there's There's like a mexican mariachi ish type of right right yeah there's um there's like sprinklings of like the band in there and Mm -hmm. stuff like some influences of that i'm not saying that they're the band but you know um so that's that's the positive of this record like because i think if you're listening to just like pop country radio all the time and uh, oh i thought this was better than pop country well that's what i'm saying though that's what i mean where like this is kind of being it's kind of being put it's being put (laughs) out there it's being put out there as a pop country record but i liked it more than most of the mainstream pop country stuff that i've heard and that's why i was like well it serves a purpose in that sense, you know. Ah man, I'm gonna let's see. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna poop on it because I didn't like it. So okay. here we go. Poop away. Uh, I don't think like this is like like you said like it's reminiscent of other things, but it just like made me want to listen to the. It made me just be like, oh, the other things are so good compared to what, yeah what this is. So there was that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um. The main, my main thing with it was um, lyrically, it was um, one of the most unimaginative albums I'd ever heard lyrically. Like, the cliches were so bad, like, I could finish them before they were out. Like, I was like, oh, he's gonna say da da da, ba 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 ba. Like, um, there's a Whiskey Woman song on here, which I don't need to hear any more of those. Love is like a rose. Love is like a rose and the thorns and the woman and the rose, the thorns. Get that. Take this um, dance. <laughs> there's, like yes, there yeah. was. Um, so, like, that was my main thing about it. Like, honestly, the production for me was just, like, breezy, low back, like, cool, swing it in the breeze kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, that's what I liked more than Radio Country. Because Radio Country is, like, balls to the walls. Yeah. And this was much more. maxed out. Yeah, this was and, a throwback to yeah. that early 80s country sound. Right. Yeah, see, for yeah. this was, this yeah, this was my thing. This was my problem with this record. It was. The production on it, I did like more, I guess, because it was more subdued and not as, like, in-your-face pop. Yeah. But, um, like, there wasn't any great choruses on here. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like, 90s, early 90s country, late 80s, they have, like, such great pop choruses. Mm-hmm. They're, like, Beatles choruses. They're sure. so good. Yeah. And then this was, like, it was just disappointing because, like, l- like the, the melodies in the choruses weren't, like, so strong for me. They were kind of, like laid back and it's just like the verse and it's going like <laughs> this and we sing along no right here it was yeah, that, that was kind of thing good. yeah that I was nice. that i know <laughs> but that's like the thing for me like if if it's you got like three songs in the record that i like that's cool yeah but then they like and then for me okay this is my last like real critique about it is uh for me uh doing the song uh for the love of it Two times on the record, you. It, this isn't Sergeant Pepper's. Listen, they just loved it, man. Yeah, I'm, they're doing it for the love of it, Luke. Yeah. For the love of God. For the love of God. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No, but that's they're not I'm, even from Texas. That's what. This is what I'm saying, though. Is like, have some kind of like, you know, like that song is isn't yeah. that good that I needed to hear two versions of it. So, yeah. um, also 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep going. No, keep going. Love is a river. Like, some say love is like a river. It's like you, the uh, how unimaginative the lyrics were. There were uh, literally other songs that are that song. Right. So, I'm sorry. But I think that's what what drove me nuts. In general, though, that's country music. Mm -hmm. It's reusing the same idioms, reusing the same lines. Yeah, right, right. Like... Uh, Beer, fucking, you yeah, know, like sitting on a, all those all those nature things. You just pff, there's a million. And yeah, that's, maybe that's a reason why I don't. I'm not into country that much. Yeah, it's kind of a gen. Yeah, I'll it's acceptable say, to be more but, generic. But it's a let. It was a let down. Even so, though, like we're talking naturing, like um, mm. the band Whispering Pines, like it's it's <clears throat> mystical. It's like they're not speaking directly, like. I feel good in the woods. It's like whispering pines take me in a daydream. Like yeah. all these, like you know, that yeah, kind right, of right. imagery where it's like not so like just I'm saying what I'm doing. Yeah, but which I, is, I'll say though that I think that like, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to shit on the listener, but to a certain extent, it's like you know when a band goes in there, man, and it's gonna be like marketed as this certain thing you know like because when you look back when i did more research we talked about it earlier it's like they're all just like failed american idol america's got talent guys so not failed well not failed but you know what i'm saying like they're they're just that's where they're from and it's like you know it makes sense in the way of just kind of being like i mean i don't i don't know their full origin story but if i'm kind of like taking a shot in the dark here like i would imagine that it's something like this you know like a manager or record labels like all right well let's just put you three guys together and it just doesn't seem like or at least i should say i hope that it's it's more so that like this record is kind of the result of a say a label trying to push a certain image of a band Mm -mm. it's not no Oh, yeah. it's, so it's all them. This no. is like an independent yeah, yeah. release. This is, these are, oh, is it? So, See, I, didn't, so I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, the three members: Craig Wayne Boyd won a season of The Voice. I don't know when, a couple years ago. Um, Adam Wakefield was a runner-up on his season of The Voice, and then Casey James, I think, was third place on American Idol ten-ish yep. years ago. Um, so I think it was really like the world shut down with the COVID lockdown. These were three dudes who really the winner and then the runner-up guy of the voice, they'd have a run doing like you know the state fairs and all that stuff for the next five years, but that's kind of all that's promised. Yeah, and the guy Adam Wakefield, the the guy who sounds the most like um, Stapleton. Yeah, Chris Stapleton. I think he's one. His wife was like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" Because like the world shut down. Yeah, and like. Who, if you were to sing with someone, who would you want to sing with? And he named these guys, and so they put together. It's like a Crosby, Stills, Nash type of. Uh. It's pop country, and it's you know, it's that kind of music. But I think it, and it makes sense, man, because like the world shut down, so it's hard to book things anyway. Country music is the one avenue that's still like lots of crowds, and has been for this whole time. And like when you team up, you're guaranteed a bigger audience, more longevity wider reach all that stuff so it's like a good business thing and i would say positive on this album i think that the three-part harmonies that stuff sounds rocking it's awesome yeah 
I great had, singing. I had no bones with like yeah, the yeah. singing or like just the you know right. mu- the musicianship. Like that that was fine for me. It was mostly it was lyrically where I was like I can't right, right. I can't be I can't be listening. You know that was yeah. it. Mostly my barbs were yeah. lyrically. Everything else was fine. So really. like you think you know your your guys who, because I mean when's the last time you heard. I mean, like Clay Aiken does stuff, I guess, but uh, Clay Aiken is running, running for, for governor for, for of, something again. Yeah. He just announced his bid. Is um, he? Yeah, 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 he's running again. Nice. South, South I, Carolina, I think. So I think it it works because, you know, I, con- like radio country to me is too over, over. So everything's over, and yeah. this is much more, like, Brooks and Dunn, and you know the who are. Not like Waylon Jennings kind of instrumentation at least because yeah. it's like dobro slide See, guitar and it, the it reminded you know. it reminded me of like um it reminded me of like a lot of things mm. but that was my issue like it reminded me of a lot of things. would you say it, it was the Greta Van Fleet effect where you're like it just makes me want to listen right, to the right. real thing rather than listen to this right yeah yeah like um, it's Eagles Light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's exactly exactly seagulls. what, what, what I, I thought it was. But um, yeah. yeah. And again, um, like you said, like it is what I think it is. So if you yeah. are if you are a fan of the voice because you like a nice voice, yeah, great record. Yeah. But that's what um I think this is. It's a voice record. It's like uh, I would say, kind of like Christina Aguilera. Yeah, like if you connected to these dudes by watching their season, season of whatever, of the voice, like, you, you like I probably... went on YouTube and I saw like you know making of and the live cuts in the studio and stuff like that, and it's like they're doing their thing, man. They have great harmonies, and the songs are just they're whatever. It's background music to me. It was fine background yeah, music. It yeah, was fine. Uh, before we move on, the one thing I I did want to note of like musical things, that one thing I thought that was uh like a bit chocolate in the peanut butter bit or mm. not or whatever, just off was uh the first song had like a really crazy Pink Floyd solo in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I thought I was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. Like well, that, that that yeah. That, right. that that was the yeah. real throw off of this record because right. the first song it was like country verses right. in Pink Floyd soloing. So I was like, oh maybe, maybe this album is gonna be like a bit space country rock, right. but it never really uh, fruited out there. But um, yeah, just uh, yeah. What was the name of that first song? Just uh, if anything, that was my favorite one. Uh, Heaven down here. Yeah. So yeah. the title track of the record. So yeah, it was you know if I'm going out of ten, you know I'm gonna honestly give it a four. Yeah. If I'm really thinking about the repeatability and the songwriting, I'm giving it a three. But I'm saying a four because the singing was good. Yeah. And it's fine, man. Put it, put this shit on if you're going for a 45 minute drive or if you're just hanging out doing yard work or whatever. Like who gives like? Yeah. Uh, I hate yeah. that. I kind of hate to say anything about music. Like who gives a shit? But like, yeah, yeah. In a way, it's like well, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Right. It wasn't. It, it's fine. Four is fine. fine. Uh, yeah, I'd say in, indifferent is kind of how yeah. I felt about it. You two. Know. Two. Two out of ten. Yeah. Two I'll meet. I'll meet. Two Jeff. and a half. I'll say, I'll say about like a four. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about a four. It's and, not. You and, know. But and, that's mostly because. I mean, it's also you, you know, my leanings too. So yeah, and this is the first record, and very notably, first things from the people from those shows are always duds. So yeah. let's see, maybe the second album I'd or whatever they do, if they find, yeah, if they f- maybe find a sound and kind of stick to it. I think their sound is fine. I'd say get get some high class songwriters. That's that was what well. I that, think they did. That's an issue. <laughs> yeah, but that's Nashville songwriting. Yeah, that's Nashville songwriting. But yeah. um, you know, that's just for my. I think they just have to 
they have to decide. I think I think this group would work better because three good lead, lead vocal voices, good three part harmonies. If they embrace more of that late sixties, early seventies weirdness yes. that they showed on the first track, kind of like the birds and s- stuff like that, where you just sparkle in some different colors and textures, even that would help the like more dull song. Yeah, because it's like the birds are like doing a country rock thing, but they're but singing some about psychedelic space. stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So. You know, give it a listen if you feel so inclined. It's an interesting record to listen to, I think, regardless. It's you know, than, it's better than generic country ra- radio. Well, yeah. that and that's opinion. what and that's what I thought about it at the end of it. Right. At mm-hmm. the end of it, I'm like, well, all right. It's not as as good as I thought it was going to be. But at the very least, it's not like Florida Georgia line. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's not this super, super fucking bubblegum pop mm-hmm. spliced with hip hop country and showing promises of. A, a more nuanced sound is worth it because right. it's a debut. So, you know, maybe they'll go in that direction. Right, right. So we'll see. It might be a sophomore slump uh, for the next record or it might be... Uh, I probably might be inclined to listen to it because I spent 40, you know, I, I spent some time on this one. Yeah. Texas Hill. It was very much a Texas Hill. It wasn't a valley or a prairie <laughs> or a peak. It, it was, was just a, Texas... a, It was just a hill. It was just yeah, a rolling like, hill. Yeah, that's fine. exactly what it was, man. That was, yeah. That was exactly what it yeah, was. Yeah, so, it, so, you know, like Jeff said, I mean, like laid back sort of kind of background country music, you know, not super shimmery poppy or anything. Uh, you'll, like three, you know. you'll like three or four songs a lot. Yeah. Because I liked three or four songs a and lot. And really for like a, f- for like a modern day main street pop, mainstream pop album that's usually the average amount of songs that you like on a record anyway you know what i mean like all right we get into the weeds we talk about a lot of different kinds of records and stuff like that you know but as for like the big picture you know at least in my experience most of like the current sort of mainstream stuff i typically only like maybe like three or four songs on a record anyway you know some of them are bangers and then other ones are just kind of feel fillerish or feel a little like okay you know Sidebar, when you find that you like three or four three or four tracks on a record, for me at least, I want to see what you guys think. That only happens to me when I'm really not into the artist to be good with anyway. Yep. Yeah. Because if I'm really into the artist, I kind of, I'll go on the journey. And I'll like, in a way, kind of like forgive them for any like weird missteps. Because well, yeah. I'll go, well, I don't know, this is part it's, of his process, okay. or part, part of what they want to be doing or... That, yeah. it's it's like uh. a co- I, it's like a comedian right where you go expecting jokes and you're already like you're like in the zone yeah. of like being a fan of it so you're you know what i mean so you're more like apt to go on whatever journey they're going to take you on and yeah. then and then afterwards you'd be like well i'll get more discerning about how, what i thought about it afterwards cuz i know that they're i they've they've driven me before you know yeah. what i mean cuz i i yeah. can't think of a, the last record that i like purposely searched for on Spotify to check out and only like three or four songs. I find a way to at least like most of the album most of the times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. see, that's where I don't I'm... Know. I don't know. But I think that's a when you listen to everything and you listen to so much, you kind of like open your... I'm more of yeah, a... Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so I, I think I'm with you. Your threshold's I'm, higher. I'm more of... Yeah, more look try to look at the bigger overall arch of what it is as opposed to like i don't really see them as like one-on-one songs anymore unless it's like mm. you know i don't know yeah but i feel like main po- mainstream pop records it's... i don't know i feel like that was the case i don't think that's the case anymore mainstream pop sure 
But how much mainstream pop do the three of us listen to? Like oh, yeah, none. like none, right? I listen right. to some. That's why I'm like the sing- That's why I, for me, I'm like I just hear the singles that float through that I like, and then the rest yeah. of it, I don't. I don't search out the album because I I usually assume that it's um, not of higher quality unless like reviewers mm. or people I find like right. are like, hey, this whole thing is good because usually that's what it is. It's like this whole thing is really really good yeah. as opposed to yeah. When it comes to mainstream pop, I only I know like well if I'm gonna listen to this mainstream pop album, I know most of it's gonna be good. Silk Sonic, like Dua Lipa, Silk Sonic, Olivia Rodrigo. Into your next pick here. You know. Into my next pick, into the dark woods and of Norway. So please, I didn't. Okay, so when I listened to this, I didn't want to look up about the artist because yep. I wanted you to like tell me about them so I could get like excited that way. Okay, yeah, same so, here. Did, yeah, I, I was like, yeah, this is this I, is out there, and I like. Okay, it. children. I, I really liked it. I I actually I recommended it to people after listening to it because oh, cool. I was like, this is. This is fucking great. I I really really enjoyed this album, so I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about this one. Should I do this all in a in a Scandinavian accent for authenticity? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, gather around, children. We will, we will talk about the dark fairy of the of the Nordic woods. <laughs> um, so this is the third full length album by Aurora, who's a Norwegian singer. The album's called "The Gods We Can Touch." Um, I have been kind of into Aurora the past two years. I think she started putting out albums. Uh, five-ish years ago. And um, she's like 25 years old. She's this little like sprightly, wood nymph, fairy-looking girl. Like, picture what you think people she's from Norway elf. look okay. from. She's look an like. elf? She's she not looks, a nymph. Yeah. Have um, some respect. Not to be this guy, but yeah. um, if you've ever seen a picture of Johnny or Edgar Winter with bangs. Sure. <laughs> yeah. She's, you know, so she's like... Aurora Winter. That's She's name. like a little cutesy, like... I don't know, bubbly girl and uh, woman, and she makes music that is like both embracing the woodsy folksiness of the Scandinavian region and also the kind of pulsating, throbbing, poppy, electro type stuff that's very popular in um, Sweden particularly, which is the country that is right to the east of Norway. And... um so her stuff is a good mix of very like ethereal and not whispery because she's not a she's not a small singer, but like very mm, intimate, intimate and kind of haunting and like spiritual type of vocalizing. Yeah, um, I think this whole album's in English. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I didn't, there's one, one bit. Track in, yeah, yeah at the end of the track where she, sure. I think she's yeah. Um, but she it's in different language. It's like, I mean, I listened to this album a couple times. I don't know if I guess if I looked at t- if tracks, I could tell you like ones that I really really loved. Oh. Can I tell you which one I really loved? Yeah, yeah like everything matters. Second track. Second track. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great track. Oh, yeah, I yeah. like like dumb. dude that that yeah. oh my god it like yeah. it like broke me when I heard that line that vocal line I was like oh, yeah uh, exists beautiful. For love. That Beautiful. super snail maily sounding oh, yeah. song. Yeah. Uh, I found that song. I was like, ooh. You, uh, yeah. Cure for me, I really love. Um, exhale, inhale, I really love. I she has a couple tracks that are kind of just acoustic guitar that and was, kind of strings and like. Um, that was the song I highlighted. Yeah, was yeah. definitely of that. And her claim to fame, she was she's the voice of the like ancient wind in Frozen Two. 
so when you the big song in Frozen Two. Oh, okay. So when you hear the oh, that's her. That's her. No way. She's doing all that stuff. Yeah. Leo loves singing that. So like, think. I mean, it's you know Frozen Two, so you might go eh, fuck these fucking Disney Pixar bullshit. But if like check yeah. out the vibe of that song yeah. and that with a little bit more weirdness, a little bit more like mature type of dance music, that's like yeah, what this album is. So. Yeah. This was the second album I listened. I like listened to Mike's and I listened to this one. Yeah, artistically, I was so like fulfilled. oh, this is it was yeah. just so fulfilling. Like because yeah. it was like a statement. Yeah. There was like it was artsy. The album cover was like mm. fitting to the songs. Um, I told Mike this album reminded me of like getting high in a Forever Twenty One. Um, dressing room yeah. like that's yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> is that the vibe of this record? That's what I thought it was. Uh, I, yeah, this is the perfect album. Like, I'm so glad it came out at this time of year because it really transports you to that Norwegian place where it is kind of like this for half the year, where it's 10, Freezing 15 cold. degrees, yeah. and it's trees are barren, and it's it's still bright sunlight, though. It, like, you know, all all that kind of stuff. Well, that's um, why I said Forever 21, because yeah. it, it's all white. Clean. It's right, all white right. in there. It's super weird. Um, they're always blasting dance music, yeah. right? So this is, like, dance, the music that we... And then, like, yeah. um, it reminded me of just, like, the cold feeling of how, like, nothing in Forever 21 feels like it's curated for love. You know what I it's mean? It's all made to be, like, washed three times, that, and that's then it, it falls apart. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like, that was, like, the... <laughs> But like that, yeah, it was yeah. like a vibe, and that's like my thought. I was like, this reminds me of like Forever Twenty One, but like on like the best version of like the music that mm. it goes on, and like it was yeah. out there, and yeah. I'm, uh, I'm. Just, I was gonna say, I'm just, I'm just happy to hear Norwegian music. That's not Ugh. fucking satanic black metal. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. everything, every, like every kind of music I've ever heard coming from Norway is mm. like, you know, just like fucking. Just well, brutal black metal that sounds like absolute garbage. Even so. for even for that, it's like the vocal melodies are like like kind of clearly almost like not American. Like the way right, like, they're twisty and yeah, they yeah. like yeah. they wind away like like American mm-hmm. singers wouldn't like phrase something. So that made like the mm-hmm. pop music way more interesting. I thought yeah, yeah for sure. Um, A lot of that sort of like Scandinavian also like, traditional yeah. music influence there. Even like the Spotify skin was super great. Like the, her, oh, the background yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like I thought it fit like because some of them like really like help out with the record. Like they give yeah, you yeah. like the vibe that you're like oh okay like this is the vibe. Like, I, got, yeah. I got it. And she she's like so musically um, the artist Robin who is a Swedish pop singer for our songs are like dancing, dancing by my, dancing by myself. Yeah, um, we we covered it during t- the Rolling Stone. Tell your girlfriend. Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. so it's that mixed with the Icelandic kind of pop weirdness of Bjork. If you've ever listened to Bjork, sure. Um, yeah. But it's the it's the per it's the right down the middle of those two. Um, yeah, it's just like it's an experience. I think you know it's fifty minutes or whatever album and. It's very cinematic and very like grim fairy tale, like the way it like looks. the like the it's like the the setup of the of the grim fairy tales yeah, before yeah, things set. turn dark. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And then you have like yeah. a dance party on it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how I felt <laughs> yeah. it yeah. was. So like you know, it's it's a perfect music for like today. It's fifteen degrees, but it's bright and sunny, and there's birds in the barren trees, and yeah. it kind of like evokes that. It's very evocative music. It's very like sensual and very mysterious and like mystical and ancient sounding but it still is like modern with all the am all the like ambient and electronic textures yeah um, 
It yeah, sounds so, really good too. Yeah, it sounds great. Wise, you know? And and it's she's an amazing natural singer who just has a great voice, great intonation, great um, presence. So I doubt that there's much like there. You don't hear a lot of like no, I didn't. And shit and, no, because yeah, so. like I uh, as. Because that's some pop shit I'm that keep, people I'm, get turned I'm off. I'm gonna keep by. going on this. The Texas Hill had like uh the the there were good singing, but you could hear it like the auto. you could hear some artifacts. Yeah, like in the yeah. when there were three parting in the middle. But um, like this one, like I didn't get that vibe at all. And if it was, it was used more for like vocal effect as was to you know make it sound like they were perfect. Yeah. But um, man, great record. I loved it. Yep. it uh, very much a Jeff record. So if anybody listening to this knows <laughs> Jeff personally, uh, this was like. So Jeff, yeah, like two or two for sure. This is this, a this, 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 is, this is like the the flip side of the coin of one of my other favorite albums from this past year. I think on our album of the year highlight, it was my number three, um, the Halsey record that came out. It's like Halsey is like kind of like the more dark emotional side of things, and then this, this Aurora record is like the light spiritual side of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's her third album, I and this is like a jumping off point because I've heard some of her EPs and singles and stuff, but I've never delved deep into her stuff, so I'm excited to do that for the rest of the winter. Yeah, it's def- It's not an album that if I had seen it, I would have... I probably wouldn't have like sought it out sort of thing, but that's why I'm happy that you chose it and recommended it because it was like, oh, this. yeah, this is not something that was even close to being on my radar, but I was so pleasantly surprised listening to it and i really enjoyed it so yeah i'm i'm uh out of out of respect for needing for only having listened to it for the last four days i'm gonna give it an eight it's really a nine i know it's gonna be a nine but i'm giving it an eight yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna solidly stick it up there with the same rating as jeff uh, i thought it was good uh great artistic vision uh songs were great there wasn't any song on here that i disliked at all it all fit in a great yeah. vision good length as well same here same here I'll agree. I agree. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. And we'll talk about the Elvis that's still kicking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Welcome back. (laughs) I did it for you. Thank you. I need a time to get back to the microphone from hitting record. Uh, we should also mention today that we are yeah. not in the sun porch. It was far too cold, and I'm spending uh, a f- uh, for some of us. I'm spending cold. a fortune on electric heater bills. Yeah, you so. just you just gotta put three or four blankets on. Come on, man. <laughs> Jeff responds. I, I texted this morning. I was like, "Hey, just a heads up. You know, we're gonna do it in the basement today." And he's like, I thought you guys were New Englanders. Well, you're the two who are like, well, I would, I would move to Vermont if I could. It's like, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, because you guys want to sit inside next to a fire. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, never venture outside your home. <laughs> I've it. never claimed to be an outdoorsman. I'm an indoorsman. You're a boy scout. You're you're don't Yeah, you were the boy a, scout. Don't be an embarrassment to Troop Twenty. Listen, I like camping, but like you can't bring Is records camping. Did you ever do a winter jamboree? Oh my god, man. Death. So fucking cold. So fucking cold. And like the the main point of that weekend was like a fucking mission scavenger hunt type of thing you had to course you had to complete you had to make a sled you had to make a sled to start you have to like just make one from out scratch of, out of shit that's lying in the woods like pvc pipe yeah. like you had to bring a sled no you had to bring yeah you had to bring you had to bring a sled yeah. before you went you had to bring, <laughs> they were like i made this yeah. i made this sled out of driftwood you had to make a fire in the snow out of you know Shit. And t- I mean, I guess at big picture, t- these are not bad skills to know. No, They're man. not bad skills to know. It's just like a I'm gonna be like Liam Neeson in the gray weekend, when, yeah. <laughs> fighting off a pack of wolves. <laughs> yeah, it's just miserable to spend your weekend like that when you're 11. It is. You're like, I'm cold. And so then, one time I did it. I think I was 12 years old. Yeah, it was miserable. That's because that's the only way they get you to do it is because they're like, oh, come, it'll be fun. And you're like, how come none of the older kids are going? They're like, fuck that. I ain't yeah. going on that trip. Yeah. <laughs> sleeping on ice. Yeah. You're literally sleeping on a tent on ice. It's not. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> And they're awful. like, they're like, you need to get this sleeping bag, and you can't sleep with clothes in it, or you're gonna die. You have to sleep you get naked. Hypothermia. Yeah, because you have to sleep Cause naked. Because you sweat all day oh from God. doing this fucking obstacle course. Yeah, so just stay warm. You had to sleep sleep butt naked. naked. Don't worry. They gave you. They give. They they assigned a scoutmaster to each tent. <laughs> <laughs> This was the 90s. This was the 90s. This was the early aughts. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Um, I never, yeah, I never scouted. No, me, and, me and Dan Peterson, we shared a tent. Naked? Uh, I mean, yeah, but in like in your thing. sleeping bag. It's oh, not like we were yeah. rubbing swords. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they were making their own kind of fire. <laughs> rubbing two sticks together. If you uh, it is hot as <laughs> shit in here. <laughs> I need some Gatorade. I need some Gatorade. He said, "Cuddle for warmth, <laughs> body heat. <laughs> it's freezing. We have to do it to, for, for the sake of survival. our lives. It's a survival thing." Oh man, miserable. But anyway, so we are in we are in the uh, basement, basement studios, which was you know the locale of this recording. A year, I think we've done a year at, at, in the Sun Porch. Yeah, at, at least the summer. Yeah. 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 So what you hear right now is the rumbling of the furnace. <laughs> yeah. If you were wondering the what that sounds like. Lot furnace, lot dog, uh, yeah. some dog barks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Foot, uh, what am I trying to say? Paw. Paw? Sound, sound of. Sounds? The sound, sound of claws. hooves on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Get Tim Allen. Get Tim. Get Tim Allen on the phone. I heard they're going to do a reboot. They're doing a series. Oh, it's a series. A Disney Plus. Wow. Uh, Papa Shoshio. Papa Yo, uh, what the biggest revelation of my life this year has been Jade saying that she finds the Bernard the Elf kind of hot. Yeah, the dreadlocked white elf, <laughs> <laughs> the twelve-year-old elf. And I'm like, we're like Jade. He's like seventeen. She's like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. he was a cute kid. Yeah, David Krumholtz. 
Why do you know his name? <laughs> I know I know too much. His name, his was, name Robert. was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Jeff's like, let me read you the cast and crew of uh, uh, of Fred Claus. Oh. Oh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> I've never seen that one. Uh, Paul, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti plays Santa Claus. <laughs> why you guys? I didn't see it either. Like, why do I know? Why do I know Paul Giamatti on the set? Why do I know facts about a movie I'd never have seen? And probably will never see. Yeah, the, the Frank Claus wasn't terrible. Done. It wasn't great. Get the fuck out of here! Frank Claus wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I've heard it wasn't terrible. This yeah. is from the. I didn't listen. I didn't say it was good. I just said it wasn't terrible. This is from a dude that referenced Face Off like we'd all seen it a hundred times. Um, Jeff, Jeffrey May. Yeah, that's what I did. Really. <laughs> He's like, I saw hey. Chelsea's Doc Martens. I said I couldn't wear those. I have weak ankles. I would be like Nicolas Cage in Face Off when he has the magnetic, the magnetic shoes. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, nobody else knows what you're talking about because um, nobody has seen that movie. I do. <laughs> Good lord. That movie, what was it? Like, didn't you say something about how, like, uh, if they eliminated the slow, all the slow mo action scenes, it would have. An hour and 15 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Who needs that much slow mo? Two and a half hour movie with an hour of slow motion. Oh, my goodness. The plot, the dialogue was like two pages. Listen, it is one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. Oh, yeah. If you want to kill a whole afternoon. Yeah, man. Sometimes you do. I mean, it's it's very good. Anyway, this is not a movie podcast. This is a music podcast. Not yet. Not yet. This is a music podcast. We should branch out, though. I was thinking about that. It'd well, we fun. did a movie last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, that'd be fun. I was thinking we should do a movie grab bag of, like, different movie things. So, like, one category would be, like, best original, favorite original song from movie, favorite score from movie. We yeah. could take, like, the John Williams scores, because he's done 500 movies. Yeah. We could be, like... What are the five favorite John Williams scores? Yeah. Or I like, like that Stevie like Wonder that. song for the, from The Outsiders. Stevie Wonder song from The Outsiders. Yeah. Uh, it's called, like, Stay Gold. Please expo- explain there, Pony Boy. <laughs> Never they heard chose that? Stevie Wonder to do a song for The Outsiders? The yeah, movie man. about... I don't think there's a single black character in that <laughs> no. entire movie. No. no. It was a different time. <laughs> it's 1986. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's I believe you. <laughs> oh, well, now we know it's Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Stay go. Wow. Cash grab. Uh, what Makes sense, it? though. Stevie Wonder doesn't see color. No. What? The, <laughs> the, he got it because the director for The Outsiders is like. A Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, it's Francis. Yeah, that's yeah. why he got Stevie Wonder because it's wow. Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. That's the only reason that movie is good. Yeah. Of oh, and a, another category that that would be good is like, what's the best um, credit like movie production music? So you know you have like Universal and Fox all have their own little like fifteen second um, intro um. music. So oh, we could do that yeah. one of these days. Yeah. We can like have like five to ten different categories. Yeah, that'd be fun. THX. <laughs> 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 It's called a barber pole. A barber pole? Yeah, that's what that harmonic like illusion oh, is. Oh, oh, oh. Where it sounds like it's constantly going up and down like and cycling through the harmonic oh. se- series. That's a fitting... Check it out. It's a fitting man. descriptive uh, yeah. way of putting it, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway, mo- we move on to Luke's pick for his January music album. The recommend- other Elvis. Recommendations. 
Oi, oi, oi. Oi, 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 oi. I chose Elvis. The original Cost- hipster. Yes. Elvis Costello's Farewell OK. Um, it's just released. No, for- no. What? Boy Called If. The Boy Called If. Oh, that's. Farewell is OK is the first for- track. Yeah, sorry. In the, the U.S. pressing is like, called Farewell OK. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, sorry, guys. The Boy Called If. Yes. So- Elvis Costello's. 57th Third, studio album in 30 20 second. years. I think it's his 32nd album. I yes. thought I thought it said 42nd, and I was like, yeah, it makes sense. He puts I, out two albums every year, basically. So, so prolific. I would imagine. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Fact check? 32nd studio 30 album. 32nd, yeah. But, uh, Which, he is younger than I thought he was because he's put out so much music. Yeah? How he really is, he? is. I think he's 66, 67. We will get that. Right. I assumed he was nice. mid seventies. Sixty seven. Yeah. Sixty seven. Cause oh. he like he's been cranking out an album a year pretty much for fucking forty five years. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's pretty I mean, he's worked with a lot of classic people. Mm-hmm. Um so Elvis Costello kinda comes out of like the punk new wave mm-hmm. English thing. Um his first three albums are, like, classic. They're really, really good. Um, so this record finds Elvis Costello, like, um, he's worked at The Roots in, like, the past, like, 15 years. He's done a lot of, like, collab albums. He's worked at Paul McCartney. Um, this record is a rock record, guitar, bass, drums, uh, main instruments. Keyboards. Got, got a lot of cool keyboards in there, too. Um, uh, so this is kind of like... Um, I didn't like super want to like read about it. Kind of wanted to get my own thing, but I kind of thought it was kind of like a life story, like story of like any kind of boy and any mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, uh, lyrically, I w- dug this record because it was uh, that very much Elvis Costello using like weird, like very weird rhymes and like mm-hmm. um, like I there was like a lyric in here about like feeling like a symbol like a disoriented like a symbol or something like just things like that uh which i really liked and you know it uh had a garage rocky feel on mm-hmm. some of the tracks which was like cool to hear him like be old man and loud so um yeah i really i, I dug the record i thought it was like a pretty kind of like middle of the road it was it wasn't like super middle of the road because he was like reaching for things um and just for like an older person like going for it that is 67 and like rocking i thought it was i thought it was a, a pretty great record for that kind of standard yeah i thought this was an awesome record yeah 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 i love this record um i i love that power pop sound where you got that vox continental organ that's like very like at times it's kind of Doors-ish, at times it's kind of B-52s, kitschy, at times it's like he's pushing it to be kind of Hammond-ish and like more um, laid back. Um, the bass playing is ripping on this album, <coughs> David Davey Farragher, who is the only, the rest of the band, the drummer and keyboardist have been with with Elvis since 78 probably, so over 40 years. And then the bassist was the... <laughs> has been playing with them for 20 years. And the bassist used to be the bassist in the 90s alt band Cracker, who, okay. had, who had, like, Teenage Angst was a song and Low was a song that was on, like, rock radio. Um, but these, all four guys are mid-60s, uh, 63 to 68 years old. Uh, this album is really tight. The album is uh, 
just sounds great, man. The drumming is that that typical beautiful power pop shit that cars that big star that like very Ringo inspired yeah, drumming. Great, like just, just groovy great. along with the beats, good cymbal Melodic hits. fills. Yeah, and great fills. The um, bass tone and, and lines are so nice, so melodic, so like, because Elvis kind of, you know, he jangles out and plays a lot of chords in some lines, so the bass has to do a lot more work than you think. Yeah, because it's like a lot of like, almost like who style where it's just right, like, right. where it's like implied and just like, like one dum, ring out. Dum, do, 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 and the do, bass do, and the drums do, are, are moving everything. Yeah. Um, the yeah. keyboardist, man, he's nasty on the, this album. The keyboardist mm, was great. cool a lot because it kind of added where like Elvis Costello, I think, has been kind of like working in a lot for like the past 20 years is like that... Um, it's like that circusy, like um, yeah. a benefit from Mr. Kite right. kind of feel. Like Elvis Costello can like evoke really easily because his voice like just throws in those spots mm. where he like puts on the weird thing. kind of breaks and weird affectations yeah. stuff. Yeah, and um, I feel like he really like the keyboards work in that like benefit from Mr. Kite kind of vibe where it's yeah. like more like circusy, vaudeville-y, like weird out there, um, medicine showy almost, mm. like the vibe of it. But um, like the choruses were like suit like you said melodic like they were like kind of Beatlesy influenced yeah. I felt um but like lyrically the stuff was like super interesting you're like what is he talking about and he's like throwing out these weird like um like uh like that that symbol line I just like I love the way he, mm. like he uh, uses metaphors and mm. like um it makes you like think about what he's actually like trying to convey. Um, so I did enjoy the, like that mystery of it. I thought it was like a really cool album for somebody deep in their career. Like, oh, I, was, yeah, I was like, damn, like it was listenable. Mm. Like the whole thing was good. It had a style. Yeah. It definitely reminded me of like, um, like maybe like Costello's on like kind of a, on the up and ups on a, like, uh, you know, a late stage, like great rally or something like Dylan's mm. been doing. Like it reminded me of record. that. What was that Paul Simon album where it's like a mosaic cover? Stranger to Stranger. So it's kind of like how that was like, oh wow, seventy-year-old Paul Simon still is doing his thing. Great, yeah, strong. Yeah. Like that's what this remind me of because Elvis Costello has never been like someone I listen to a lot because I think the number one thing keeping me from that is he puts out so much material that's like, mm-hmm. where do I even begin? Like, so I've only heard mm, probably three or four albums, um, but this sounds like a band that's been playing together for twenty to forty years and. Um, yeah, the songwriting and they all know their place and like how to bring out each other's strengths and uh, yeah, just, solid. Just really solid and it's not in the what, way. What I wish Weezer sounded like. Every time I listened to Elvis Costello, yes. I was like, couldn't Weezer have gone in this direction instead right. of like fucking using an algorithm to make generic lyrics for trying to be hip with 15-year-old kids? Like, yeah, like this couldn't was... they have grown up and like embraced yeah, this being is, artists instead of just fucking karaoke singers. And that's what Elvis Costello is doing. Like, where before, where he would, like, you know, kind of more or less, like, kind of get away with energy. Like, this has energy, but it also has, like, great, the, the, the songwriting and playing behind it. It backs it up, like, 110%. Where, like, we stated before in, like, a previous album review of, like, uh, the My Morning Jackets uh, self titled album that came out a couple months mm. ago, where we were like, yeah, it's like a my morning. Sometimes ja- you make an album. Yeah, sometimes you make yeah. an album. Like this one is yeah. a, like sometimes you make an album, but it's got mm. it's got a push forward in mm. a like um like changing kind of 
you know what I mean? Like artistic yeah. change record. So, I mean, I, I, I dug, so. Yeah. I mean, my experience with Elvis Costello is really only like my aim is true. Uh, that, re- that's the first album, right? Uh, yeah, I found I really didn't connect much to this record, to be completely no. honest. His voice just throws me for a loop sometimes. It's just not yeah. really an acquired. It's, yeah. I suppose it's an acquired taste, and I have yet to acquire that taste. Um, it's not very dumb. Yeah, it's like, like very just, cars. And yeah, art. and I just yeah. don't. Ca- I didn't care much for that. I'm not yeah. saying it, I didn't think. I didn't think it was a bad record. It just didn't really connect with me necessarily in that way. But it's also just because I feel like Elvis Costello in general for me musically, just I don't really connect too much with it i will say though uh what song is it it's some songs yeah um, i bet it's the same one i liked uh yeah what if i can't you give yeah. uh give you any couple guitar solos in there yeah uh yeah. yeah but love like i i really really did dig that uh um song rather um penelope halfpenny was good the boy named if like the self-titled yeah uh like the album title I loved the track was good. The death of magical thinking because mm. I just loved like that phrase magical thinking. Like we've kind of heard that phrase before, and it's and I just loved like that the concept of the song, like the end of like you know like uh, mm. I just loved that. Like the I like the piano song too. Paint the red rose blue. Yeah. Like Elvis Costello. Like see for me at this point he, where he's doing like a great thing where his band is still rocking, but like his voice is starting to kind of and it's kind of been hard anyway but he flavors his music around Mm. the uh uh kind of not the unusual nature Mm. of his voice you know what i mean so he i think he tries to make it so but i can understand why his voice might be a little bit like you know yeah 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 Yeah. that's all and i like i like unusual voices sometimes you know sometimes and stuff but i'm not i i'll say that i'm planning on giving this album yeah, yeah. more listens because i do think that there's something there it's just i didn't have a lot of time with it or right. i should say I, didn't, I don't feel like i had enough time with it for it to kind of like grow on me but i feel like it's an album that would probably grow on me if i listened to it a few more times you know what i mean yeah so. he has he ha- his voice too he has this like huffy delivery <laughs> kind of thing yeah and there's usually it's always has like a slapback delay on it too so it makes it even more like Whoa, 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 right, like right. wobbly and weird. Um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I don't listen to a ton of him, but I'm gonna go back and listen to this again, and I'm gonna delve deeper into his stuff and try to, like, you know, maybe I'll go in all music and see like what are the highest recommended rated ones to check yeah. out, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll try to listen to three or four in the next couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I love Power Pop, man, when it's done well. Yeah, like Luke's sitting here wearing a Big Star T-shirt, like one of my favorite bands of all time. And so when it's done like that, when it's cars and B-52s and like that real, that that borderline, cle- you know, fine line between clever and stupid of new wave yeah. that he kind of straddles sometimes. But he's like very self-serious and like literary. And, you know, he's like he's like Sting with a little bit more sense of humor type yeah. of guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I dug it and... I watched the live stuff, and live, it's kind of, you know, it sounds like how six, four, five year old guys would sound playing live, so, but it's okay. Um, but this album is, like, the absolute peak of what those guys could be doing right now, and I, I really yeah. liked it. I, I'm saying um, Strong 7. Yeah. Yeah. I've only listened to it. I only had a chance to listen to it twice, but it could be an 8 by the end of the week, so. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. It was like it was really strong record, super cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought the Great. production, Seven. 
production's yeah, really good on setting. it. The band sounds... I mean, you guys already kind of said it, but like, yeah, I think the band sounds great. I'm going to go six just because, like I yeah. said, I didn't I didn't feel like I connected with it 100%. But much like to what you said, Jeff, I think upon further listens, uh, that rating will go up. I think it was a seven and a half on Pitchfork, too. I that seems about right. think it was. Yeah. I didn't read the review, but I looked at what they Yeah, I read the review, it. yeah. I, I um, love this style, man, when it's done well because... Like on a di- if I get into it and I really love the lyrics and I really like start to like live with this album, it could like jack up to a nine or ten. Yeah, I it, love this kind of music when it's done well. Yeah, yeah, it's like the it's the verse, chorus, verse. It has you know so much. It just to try to make it like your life's goal to like verse, chorus, verse the best thing you can. Like that's Elvis Costello, and he's been working really hard at it his whole life. So and a band when the guys play their parts and everything works as the clock all the little components all click together yeah i think elvis costello is going to be one of those guys um i think he's very underappreciated in america i don't really know what his standing is overseas where he's from but um like i feel like you know looking back we're going to be like oh remember you know this was Mm -hmm. a great period that nobody kind of discovered and i think they're going to be like dillening uh Elvis, a lot of Elvis Costello's work. Like an Elvis Costello renaissance kind of thing well, at yeah, some point. Yeah, because, I mean, he's worked yeah. with, like, Paul McCartney on, like, albums before, and they mm-hmm. wrote songs together. He's collaborated with The Roots. He's a very much a pushing artist and very much always, like, going going for it, whatever it mm-hmm. is artistically. So. Yeah. And I think he was, the he was like, the thinking man's type of um, new wave artist. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think he has a big following from people who are 50s and 60s-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Surprise to me when I was just you know, doing some research to get more into it. Um, it's from 2004. I don't know if they've done updated since, but Rolling Stone did their 100 Greatest Artists. He was on that list yeah. in 2004. Oh, yeah. He was number 80. No yeah. shit. And I saw that. I'm like, I don't know. I, I personally only know like three of his albums, but he has, by 2004, he had put out fucking 28 albums or yeah. 30 albums. And, right, right. And he started young. His first album, I think, he was 22, and he put out one a year for his first 10 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is daunting, though, because when I went and yeah, looked, it's, so it's like, there's just so, so much. And it's like that that kind of... The first, that, the first five... Because the fifth... I think it's the fifth album where the cover kind of looks like a Dave Brubeck cover. But they're fencing? Um, I don't know, but it's like kind of abstract cartoons. Those the up to including that are great. The album from the mid or late eighties where he's like wearing a crown. Spike. Yeah, it's good. That's eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. Um Armed Forces is the one that's kind that's of like that colorful. I'm, yeah. Armed Forces the elephants on the f- cover. Yeah. Elephants on the back I on think the US it's, one. I think it's album five that I'm thinking of that has uh one, two, three, four, five Mighty Like a Rose. What does the cover look like? Is it produced by Jeff Emmerich? I know it's the uh, one produced by Jeff. It Emmerich. doesn't say who it's produced by, but this is the cover. It's his face and like a giant rose on it. No, let me. Uh, Brutal Youth, Kojak, Variety, All This Useless Beauty. Yeah, when I was. Oh, it's later. It's his seventh album, Imperial Bedroom, where it like straight up looks like a jazz cat's artistic. Oh, okay. So is that not on Spotify? I don't think that's on Spotify. Uh, you're looking at just Elvis Costello. That's under Elvis Costello and the attractions. Oh, I see. Right, because he has the attractions for his first 15 albums. He, that, that's another thing, if I'm going to say a side point. It's strange because, I don't know, it's a marketing thing or it's a whatever thing. 
but he made some albums with his backing band credited, some albums without them, period. Some albums with them, but without them credited. It's very Tom Petty. Tom, yeah, and I'm just like, it, that That has to be same a marketing sh- or like- shit. Or the leader of the band type of like yeah. control to, I don't know. It's I think it, it's- But these of- dudes have been with him since the late 70s, so I don't think there was, I know that there was a falling out period- uh, with the bass player, but he's not with them anymore. So, I think uh, at some point you have to go like, this one's for me, this one's for us, this one's for me, this one's for us, and then like I mm. think the us thing or the me thing, they're just like, oh yeah, this is for you, so we'll do that as long as you're still going to come back and do an us thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I think it was like a, a that kind of situation. But you don't think it was the sort of driven thing where it's like a, a label's just like, no, you're really the one that the people want. Well, yes, they are telling him that. But at the same time, like mm-hmm. anybody that is worth their salt and has kept a band together knows that you need to keep a band together and you can't be the oh, you can't just be like uh, you can't you can't do that. It's just yeah, too much. Uh, right. Right. You know, uh, smashing pumpkins. This is the one I was this is what <laughs> I was thinking of. King of America. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great record, too. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, like very, you know, if you, he's like a very well-read, we say punk because it's I punk would, energy, but it's, I would say it's pop rock. He's the new wave Bob Dylan because he's got a funky voice, yeah. literary. Um, oh yeah, the, new wave, new wave. Bob yeah, he's Dylan, a new, sure. he's a new wave Bob Dylan. I, yeah. I feel he because he and he works in that way where he like Bob Dylan started mm-hmm. with folk. He just started with new wave. You know, a new I mean? wave was. And not even want to call it new wave because it's not really even that. It's he's more of a power pop. Yeah, but that he's real new because when I think of new wave, I think of Elvis Costello, The Cars, Blondie, B fifty twos. So it's like it's very in in a world yeah. mm. of like kitschy yeah. retro, like big bouffant wigs and nylon, and you know like. What, what do they call it? Nylon dresses? No, skinny ties, and... latex dresses, and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, checkered shoes, and you know, like look at but, look but at the nine it, versions of Nick Lowe on that album. But That's what new wave people. Are. It's so weird though that like new new wave is more of like how you dressed than what you played because like right, right, you know what I mean? Because like the cars sound very different than Elvis yeah. Costello. You know what I mean? At yeah. the end of the day, but it's all it's all verse chorus. Don't don't forget that songs, don't forget but, that one Billy Joel album too, where he his one new wave album. <laughs> Oh, that one is terrible. No, it's a good one. Oh. It's the one with uh, Uptown Girl on it. Yeah, that's I. That is not a good record, bro. <laughs> Get out of here. What was it? We only play longest time. We only play eighties. Billy Joel. Eighties <laughs> era. Billy Joel. <laughs> play something from the Stranger. <laughs> um, yeah. Some of yeah. Italian new, restaurants. Yeah, man. New Wave is like. It really. It was. It was the style and the like. You know, dressing up like you're like the movie Crybaby with Johnny Depp in Johnny it. Depp, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that kind of, um, you know, it's a it was a strange world. Uh, <laughs> we should do a new wave highlight episode. I'm into it, man. Oh, that's such a blind spot for me. It'd be, <laughs> yeah. fun, it'd be fun to get into Whoa, it. Well, I'll yeah. talk like this. Yeah, I can't hear you. <laughs> My next album choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I mean. I don't listen to it a lot, but I I dig a lot of those bands. I'm more of an old wave kind of guy myself. <laughs> Mike went well, yeah. Because what you like the '70s cock rock, you like the arena rock. <laughs> Mike Mike is a cock. um. Excuse me, I'm all cock no rock. Yeah, yeah. you no. like the arena rock, so like yeah, yeah. But you don't even really like that arena rock. No, because I wouldn't journey say that I'm like a Def journey Def guy. Def Le- no, no. I mean, and... the the closest I get to arena rock is probably like Boston. Yeah, they're you know. 
But no, I'm like, yeah, I'm. That's I'm, still some pretty good cock rock. Boston is like, like Boston is the blended line between the '70s arena rock and new wave. Yeah, because Boston is very power poppy. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Chorus. Yeah. Choruses. Yeah, but they still kind of heavy keyboard. They so. still kind of go into those sort of like '70s prog rock right. avenues too, with like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's for me. I feel like it's really just all about like the production. Like you know, my ideal production is really just that like mm. early to mid, bleeding into late seventies production that I think yeah. is probably my favorite. There's it's some like, that you would like though. It's like the Van Morrison Moon Dances and the Fleetwood Mac, you mm. like that era of of you know like Carol Kings and stuff sure. like that. Like I love that. That's that recording sound, you know. Once we start getting into, digital, well, when we get into gated reverbs and shit like that, you that's know, where that I stuff. that's where I fall but that's, off. That's not frontless. That's bases. not new wave. That's that's straight eighties. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Because new wave is really. But I like the car. I do like the cars. Yeah, like, like, se- I, like the cars. I would say seventy six to eighty two, eighty three is really the new wave era. Yeah, yeah. and then you get like the. English New Wave, which is right. terrible and weird. Which is synth pop type of stuff, yeah. yeah. Oh, great, great single, so. We should do that. We should do a New Wave Gary episode. Gary Newman. Because I don't listen to a lot of it. But, I know I know but, a bunch of it, but. but we just highlight yeah. our favorite, like, what we think is New Wave tracks and talk about them. I think it'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, out, tracks. You know what I mean? Or, like, pick singles or whatever, or. Yeah. We can make a playlist. Yeah. New Wave playlist. All B-52 songs. <laughs> <laughs> just love shack 12 times <laughs> and then uh, uh no, love shack is n- 1990 we, we gotta discount yeah, it d- discount no. it and then we do uh Devo- rock lobster <laughs> <laughs> the playlist is rock lobster in devo's satisfaction oh yeah D- see devo oh is yeah new devo i can't get no <laughs> that's yeah. yeah that like that rigid sort of oh. vocal like lyric delivery yeah, it's yeah. like i can't oh, oh you gotta I watch have such a hard time you gotta watch devo on those it was like the saturday morning <laughs> yeah. um like tv show where they play live they do yep. satisfaction and uncontrollable urge yep. they perform it as robots yeah. oh you gotta watch it's so great uh, that sounds like a nightmare <laughs> uh. oh it's so good the, that's a big thing with new wave too it was like a lot of science fiction like yeah. spooky 1950s science fiction <laughs> type yeah. stuff yeah, like a uh, like nuclear like nuclear yeah. fear. Yeah, <laughs> like, like Cold War type of, I I because that's what it was. It's the kids of that whole era. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, fuck you, mom and dad. We're gonna make fun of all your fucking your whole generation. <laughs> fuck George Orwell. But that's I mean I mean we're now talking yeah. about it. we're shooting the shit, but uh, yeah. like satisfaction, man. Like that's a great take because they they yeah. ter- they make it like uh, soulless. Yeah. He's, he's like, like I can't get sat- satisfaction, but he's saying it so soullessly. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. So anyway, those are our picks. Yep. Can we hit them again? Uh, Mike, what's the name of yours and the artist? Uh, it is the band Texas Hill, mm. and the album name is Heaven Down Here. And mine, uh, the artist is Aurora. The album is The Gods We Can Touch. And mine was Elvis Costello. The uh, Nope, uh, it's called The Boy Named It. That's what it's called. If. If. Did I say it? Yeah, Boy Named Pan, Pam. If. Pan. The boy named If. Pan. No, Child Called It was that crazy oh, book. Please, yeah, that's not. why I think the book is referenced, or the album title is referenced. God. Is it? Well, I mean, that's what I thought it was. 
a boy called know. It. You know, right? I, re- I read that book when I was like 11 years old. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. It was fucking terrifying. Nightmares. Is that the, like, well, but it made Lord. me think like, wow, my life is really <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you're not locked in a dog kennel in the garage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> with, mean... a, with a bucket of bleach outside of it. Uh, that book <sighs> was brutal, man. Horrifying. Also, who the fuck was like, yeah, 11-year-old? Read this book because oh, everybody man. was reading that. Do you remember, yeah. like our in middle, in like are... ele- late elementary school, early middle? Well, we had like a weird yeah, middle yeah. school, intermediate school thing happening. Where the I read the, the second one we too. To. I didn't read the third, but I read no. the second one. Our yeah. parents loved shit like that. Like you got chicken soup for the soul. It was oh. just like a book. It was like you want to cry while you read. Like a, boy named, a boy named a child called it is the dark side of chicken soup, soup for, for the, the soul. soul. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's the exact opposite. You try of to that. you try uh, to tell a a, a, a Gen Zer about chicken soup for the soul. They're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, that was that was huge. We I I mean we had one sitting I had, on the back of the toilet. I had chicken yeah. soup for the NASCAR fans. Chicken soul. soup. For the oh my god! <laughs> oh, of course you did. I think it's in this basement. Somewhere. But it was called chicken stew for the NASCAR fan. <laughs> for the NASCAR fan. First, you based it in fucking bush light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tales from Talladega. Zone. Good God. <laughs> we, are, we, are full, we, we have no whistle. We have been fully off the rails. I thought I couldn't race. This whole, epi- could. this whole episode has been a high speed chase on a train. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought we stayed on the rails for a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, we did. We There's, you, you know, should, we, like, we touched the third rail a couple of times. Please, <laughs> child called it. Maybe should be talked about the music podcast. Uh, <laughs> we should write a set. We should write a soundtrack oh, for the book. God. That's what I'm saying. You should put like an interjection. We're really done talking about what we were talking about, and then be like, if you feel like listening, I mean, yeah. to the rest, yeah, to the rest of this, you can. Oh, but gosh, to the book that traumatized me oh, as a 12 man. year old. Oof. 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 I know. The descriptions of, uh, like, his mother. Oh, uh, my God, dude. Brutal. 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 What was the second book? What was the most... Is that, was that What's the most disturbing book you've ever read? <sighs> Probably that one. No. I think Night by the... Uh, Ely Weasel. That's probably the most disturbing book Which one? I've ever read. Night. It's, like, a 100-page book um, about him being sent to a uh, concentration camp. Oh, good Lord. I think Ely Wiesel, I think, is how you pronounce his name. It was um, like huge, like Pulitzer winning, yeah, whatever. It, yeah, it, you, it's I mean, a quick, a quick. It's a quick read. book. It's you should read, read it. Everyone should read it, but uh, it's not an enjoyable. It's read. a good read. It was probably yeah. the most disturbing book. That was the most disturbing book I've ever read. I've read a lot of disturbing books. <laughs> <laughs> the most disturbing, the Holy Bible. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you like you like torture? <laughs> Check out the first five fucking books of the. Yeah, book. well, you got to go Old Testament. Get the Old Testament if you want. If you want the wrathful God, anyway, that one's always fun. God said, "Abraham, kill me a son." <laughs> Abe said, "Man, you must be putting me on." Oh, speaking of whistles, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyway, it's been getting the garage. Uh, remember to like and follow and all that good stuff on all our social media. We have some fun stuff planned for the coming weeks. Um, get red, stay red, everyone. Get red, stay red. We will see you next time on Get in the Garage. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.